Because had we come into the parish with a perfect plan and come here and told everyone, okay, now, folks, now we'll tell you what is the right thing to do uh, and we'll do it. So we would have probably been perceived as threatening. But we yeah. came here and it was so clear that we didn't know what we had to do. So we were we were perceived as not a threat, not I mean harmless somehow. So people really took them on, took took us under their wings. They taught us to be the parish priests, and so we we had a connection with the community that that became really beautiful over those couple of years. That couple of years, with the result that over three years there was a patrimony of trust because people felt they were listened, and and so they. They, they they trusted that if we were starting to make decisions, it was in, in, in their best interest. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Hello and welcome back to the Leadership Podcast. My name is Ron Huntley and I'm your host today. Love having these conversations about leadership, how it applies to our churches, our dioceses, our businesses. Leadership matters disproportionately. You know, parish renewal is on our on our minds. It's a, it's a language that's on our lips. It's scary. There's no absolute way forward that makes sense for everybody. We kind of have to figure it out as we go. I'm so blessed today to talk with my guest, Father Pierre Luigi Vaira. Did I say that right? I don't think I did. You that's right. That's right. You did well. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's so great to have you on your sh- on our show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. welcome. You know, we were talking about the whole concept of parish renewal and, and how tricky it can be. And as, we're, as we were planning our podcast, your name came up. As somebody that uh, one of our staff have been working with over the years, they just love your your heart, your disposition, your approach, and they've just watched you grow and impact um, Asian and Irish. And so it's going to be fun to break that open today. But maybe as a starting point, uh, Father Pierluigi, at what point did parish renewal become a topic that was worth exploring for you? Well, probably even before I, I I came into a parish, I belonged to a religious order, uh, the Somascan Fathers. Uh, for those who, who are familiar with the Catholic Church, probably they know that the Catholic Church has a number of little groups that sprouted over the centuries. And we come from the 16th century, the time in which uh, renewal, reformation was a, a buzzword in the church. It was the time of Martin Luther the time in which there was a felt need of, of making changes somehow to, to the church. The church wasn't working properly. And we were born at that time. Um, the, the, the leader of our, of our group was a layman from Venice who had that great passion of making the church shine like it was at the time of Jesus, at the time of the apostles. So that was somehow part of, of our DNA. And before I, I came to, to to, to the parish where I'm now, which is also the first parish where I've ever been in my life, because before before being here, I was for 13 years in India, eight years in Sri Lanka, and uh, and I was always uh, helping young men who were training for the priesthood at that time. So when I came here, uh, I realized that here in in Australia, the need for parish renewal 
was again very felt. And one year into my stay here, the, Arch the Archdiocese of Perth had actually made a strategic plan where parish renewal was, uh, again, a, a heartfelt need. And no one really knew how to make it work, not even I. And, uh, and, and everyone was looking for, for ways. So I, because of my background, uh, where the renewal of the church was already a passion that we had, then obviously I, uh, I thought, well, this is a great place to be. Uh, but from saying that to knowing what to do, uh, that be, in my native dialect, we say we had to eat, to eat a lot of bread still. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? That, it's so cool. I didn't realize that that your very order was birthed in a seat. Like this is the first time in history the church has needed to renew itself, needed to find ways to communicate, connect, to bring people home to Christ, to reignite faith in a way that was contagious and 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 Danny. impactful. And so, you know, sometimes we think, oh, gosh, the church is in this horrible. It's like, yeah, it can be in terms of where we're at, where we find ourselves, but it's not new. It's certainly in a state of renewal. And your order was founded from that place. That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so going from somebody working with seminarians and helping form priests into being a, a parish priest for the first time, which is in North America, a pastor, like it's the same, it's the, the boss, so to speak, at a at a particular <laughs> parish. Uh, I think uh, Lorraine was sharing with me that divine renovation has played a role in that. Alpha's played a role in that. What, what's what been your yeah. journey of, of yes, influences that has kind of helped you to try new things? Tell us about that. Well, there is, there's a bit of a story there because when, when I came here uh, with uh, another member of my religious community uh, who who's from India, and uh, we arrived here in, in 2014, in July 2014, in the middle of the Australian winter. And uh, for, for me, it was okay because I was born on the Western Alps. But for him, he was born in South India, so it was really an impact for him. And uh, so when, when we reached here, we, we didn't have any idea how to run a parish. We really, so I remember the, the first few weeks that every time I dropped the ball in some form, I would apologize publicly and said, please be patient with me. Trains will run on time eventually. But the fact is that uh, we, we really didn't know. I didn't know how to run a parish. And uh, there is a neighboring priest who is, has also been a, a mentor for me, an Australian priest. Uh, his name is Jeff. And I remember that once, Thinking back of those initial days, uh, we were, you know, I had, we, both of us, had never been in Australia, never been in an English-speaking country, never worked in a parish, and, uh, and Jeff said, it could have been the perfect, the perfect recipe for disaster. <laughs> and, and he said, and it is at least a third-class miracle if disaster did not strike, <laughs> which I perfectly agreed. <laughs> and now, what did we do? We just blended in with our community. We stayed with them. We, 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 we listened to them a lot, a lot of listening. We visited them. Uh, so over the first, I would say, over two years, really what we did was coming to know one another, listening a lot, responding to needs as they came. I actually really enjoyed what I was doing. I was so glad of being part of, of the life of people here. Uh, and But then at one point when the two years mark passed, somehow I felt that we had hit a plateau. Uh, 
like you know yeah I, we did what we what we what we had to do we responded to to the request but then of course the community wasn't giving us hints of where to go from there the community had helped us to be their priests to blend in with them uh, but then where to from there so i was feeling a bit restless at that time and that was the time when uh, alpha australia had sent around some uh, flyers and i got one and when i was in sri lanka once we had um, a meeting with the bishops and the, the team of, of Alpha in Sri Lanka had come to introduce Alpha to all of us. But at the time, I wasn't in a parish. And I thought, oh, this is a very interesting thing. At the same time, I, I had no way of implementing it because I was, not, I was not working around with people. So it remained in my mind. But when that came on my desk one particular morning, I thought, hey, maybe this is a good idea. So it came... I, I mean, I know nothing happens by chance, but uh, it, it, there was no planning behind that. Right. I, I told, I, I, in the evening, I met Father Vijay, who was an assistant priest uh, working here with me, and I showed him that flyer, I, and I told him, I, I came to know about this when I was in Sri Lanka, and I, I found it interesting. Perhaps it is something we can try here. Maybe this is a God-given opportunity. And, you know, I, I perfectly understand Vijay, he lived with me for all those years, and Vijay came. He realized that I cough up at least five new ideas every day, and I and and I always think that my ideas are brilliant, but and I want to to implement them, but they 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 almost always end up being, uh, you know, exhausting. At sure. least <laughs> create a lot yeah. of work for people around you. Yeah. 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 So in his wisdom. His usual sentence, we cannot do everything. Okay, I'm going to get you <laughs> to pick that up because I lost I, you for I, a second. It's You started, you said, in his wisdom, and then uh, you, yeah, you he, broke up. So start from there again. Uh, he, he, he said, uh, in, his, in his wisdom, he said, his usual sentence, we cannot do everything. <laughs> so, fine, thank you. I picked up the flyer, put it back in my folder of the, the bright ideas, and left it there. But a few months later... Uh, there was an information night in a parish uh, north of Perth. We are to the south. We are out to the city towards the south, and uh, uh, it was a Monday evening. I was free, and I wanted to go and hear that information night about Alpha. So I told Vijay, and I said, "I'm planning to go and see this information night. If you think it's a good idea, you can come with me. I'll go anyway. I just want to hear what." The and he came. So we went there and we sat for two hours and our common friend Lorraine was running that, uh, that, that session. I, when we went back to the car, I didn't say anything to him, but as he sat on the passenger seat, he told me, I think we should try this. Great. <laughs> and then let, <laughs> let's go ahead. Pounced and he on himself it. started, yeah, yeah. So he's, he himself started finding people who could possibly come on a team. So we did it. We first ran a pilot for, for ourselves because we had never done it. So And it was great fun to do it with our team. We really became a community. People who never knew one another started hanging out together all the time, meeting at church. So we could, we could immediately see the, the impact that those 11 weeks had upon us. And, uh, and then we could see people who became confident. People who started saying, "I want to do this. I want to. I want to. I want to continue." So we offered it to the whole parish for the first time, and of course, it was a, it was an interesting experience. And we could we could immediately see that it was making a dent. Our community has always been 
beautiful, caring, and warm on the inside. But for a person who came from the outside, it would have felt a little cold. And for no, for no bad, no ill will of anybody, it was just right. the way it was. But it started changing. So people started greeting one another so much that some people were becoming concerned that at, uh, when people were coming to the church, they were actually chatting and not praying before the Mass, even though as soon as the Mass started, uh, there was yes. a complete silence and perfect concentration on the prayer. So, but uh, okay, that that's how it came. And at that point, I knew nothing about divine renovation because Lauren had not yet told me about that. <laughs> but one thing we saw immediately. So here, I I should okay. I need to tell you two things here. First thing, when we came here, we didn't know what we were doing. We we really didn't know it. Probably we still don't know what we are doing even now. But still. <laughs> gotcha. At that time, we definitely didn't. Uh, but I realized later that inexperience was our greatest asset at that point. Because had we come into the parish with a perfect plan and come here and told everyone, okay, now, folks, now we'll tell you what is the right thing to do uh, and we'll do it. So we would have probably been perceived as threatening. But we yeah. came here, and it was so clear that we didn't know what we had to do. So we were we were perceived as not a threat, not I mean harmless somehow. So people really took them on, took took us under their wings. They taught us to be the parish priests, and so we we had a connection with the community that that became really beautiful over those couple of years. That couple of years, with the result that over three years there was a patrimony of trust because people felt they were listened. And and so they 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 trusted that if we were starting to make decisions, it was in 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 their best interest. So that is the first thing. Inexperience, in the end, was our greatest asset. And I I like to share this far and wide because when people think I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know how to fix this. Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> we, we we are we A are in that space. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. And and I realized that that inexperience kept us humble. We didn't know what we were doing. We knew we didn't know what we were doing. And so we knew we had to learn. We knew we, we, needed, we needed help. So Alpha came in between. Uh, and when we launched Alpha, we had actually a good response. A large portion of the community decided to come because there was already a, a good level of trust. And so they said, okay, these people are not going to be harmful to us. Let's, let's give it a try. If they invite us, let's give it a try. So it happened. But then soon after concluding that alpha, uh, in my eyes at least, it was clear that there was a missing link. There were people who had woken up to the fact that they could be in a relationship with Jesus, that the church could be different from what they had known from their childhood, that it could be warm and vibrant and, and missional, even though they didn't use this word. But they right. could see that, that it was a church, it was a community where they could have invited a friend who wasn't church or a friend who was away from the church for a while and, and, and be confident that perhaps there was, they could, they could have had a good experience, let's say. Right. So that was great, but I immediately saw that we were losing some pieces because there were people who came on Alpha and then there was not, nothing really to help them to, to develop that level of relationship with Jesus and with the community that they had started, that 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 awakening of their faith had somehow, um, how to say, that yeah, there was no, 
they couldn't find where to from there. So again, like I told you, I keep I keep thinking. But when I see a need, I look for a solution, and so I look around. And and in my mind, I started thinking of inventing uh, a little app that people could have on their telephones in order to help them to understand what Christian what what the Christian journey journey would look like at different stages of discipleship, so that they, that people who were already in a space of discipleship, they could possibly help others with the use of that app, like lining up things, how to help them, what questions to ask, what to offer to them. So I was thinking practically, I realized that we needed mentoring. We needed people in the in our community who felt confident to be mentors. But I can simply tell people, now you need to mentor this person because they tell me I don't know how to do that. So I needed to give them tools for them to feel, I know that they can, but they right. needed to know it for themselves. They needed to feel confident for that. with that. So looking around at that time, uh, the first tool that came into our hands, strange to say, it was a very new tool at that moment from the, from the Catherine of Siena Institute of Sherry Bredell and her, her um, uh, team. It's called the Ananias Training. Uh, and uh, this, this tool helps the person who takes it First of all, to become aware of their journey in discipleship, the thresholds that they have crossed in their journey. And it helps the person also to recognize the same thresholds, the same journey in others, and to be with them, just like Ananias of Damascus had been with St. Paul, bridging the gap between the moment he met Jesus and the moment he actually was an apostle and went out and, and, uh, and, was, and was, was preaching the gospel himself. So that bridge is what we were missing. That, that task of Ananias, that tool actually. So we took up that tool. And as I usually do, I first, I'm the guinea pig. I and someone who wants to accompany me, we try it. And when we find that it makes an impact on us, we offer it to others. So we offered it to the community. And then little by little, we started having people in our community who, who felt confident to journey with those who were starting the journey in discipleship in a, in a very humble, polite uh, how, how can it non I mean a way that is not in, that wasn't intrusive at all so that was one thing in the meantime uh, Lorraine had actually uh, alerted us to the existence of divine revelation and so I started reading listening to podcasts and uh, yeah, on my own somehow at the same time after knowing the Ananias training we discovered the older tool of, of Sherry Baddell called the Gifted, the Spiritual Gift Discernment Program. And that make, made an immense difference to our community. When we offer these two tools to our community at, at large, a number of people were really impacted and they, they found somehow where the Lord was calling them, especially called and Gifted, this Gift Discernment. I saw people, I saw people taking the program, taking the discernment, and then making career choices upon that because they realize, hey, if this is how God wants to use me, I want to do that 24 hours a day, not just in my spare time. So they started retraining. They started, so that was just great to see. And as a consequence, now there were a number of people in the community who were in this strong space of discipleship. That is when divine renovation somehow landed in our community. We uh, a few of us went to Brisbane, where you, Ron, were also present in 2018 okay. uh, at, at the Proclaimed Conference of Evangelization. Oh, yes. you, 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 you had been there for, for a couple of days. And I, I must be honest, I'm, 
I'm not really a good person to travel and go to conferences. When you take me to a conference, you'll have a very grumpy man in your hands. <laughs> it's not, it's not. Like to Traveling sleep in your own bed a... and eat your own food, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's being in, in big crowds and having to travel is, is not exactly my cup of tea somehow. But I went. I went because there were people in my parish that would have profited from that, and we, we, we did that. However, that had the benefit of, of confirming me that divine renovation was not only a good tool, but unlike other tools that I had already encountered in the past, there was a lot, there was plenty of resources for us to access. Resources that could help us to find inspiration, to, to try our hand with those tools, let's say. So this, this was great. And so we started, we started little by little and uh, it took us time, uh, but I, uh, why am I, okay, long story short and <laughs> no, it's not very, very short, uh, uh, but still, <laughs> uh, I would say what I saw that it, over the years, we didn't know where we're going, but we didn't know what we were doing, but the spirit has always given the answer for the need at hand. When we saw a need. We looked for, for a tool, for an answer, for a solution, and the solution was there. Alpha came and then did a nice training called and gifted and divine relation. And the, the tools came because we needed them. The spirit gave them when we were ready. Jeff, uh, my, my mentor, Father Jeff, he, he says, time is of the essence. And I, I understand that uh, there is another meaning for that, like saying, you know, we, we need to do things quickly. But in reality, his meaning is this. When the community is ready, what we do will strike root. What we'll do will, will have an impact. The community needs to be ready. And now in the last uh, maybe two years, we really journeyed a bit faster. It's now about one and a half year that we lead out of a leadership team and no longer myself. And this is just such a great, that, that's the highlight of my week. When on Wednesday night, we meet with the team. Uh, it's we, we came to the point now in which we have very frank conversations. We really care for one another, and everyone knows that there is no danger of of being misunderstood because everyone cares for the others. So that that already took us on a beautiful journey because a number of strengths came on board, and uh, and the parish profited immensely from that. And then over the years, the community has become way more hospitable. So in the last few months, we actually changed. It was a bit of a bold step. It could have gone terribly wrong, but we actually changed the the whole sacramental preparation, the preparation to the sacraments in order to make it the entry point to our community. Uh, I, uh, and you know what? Even though we could have got a lot of pushback because of the previous years and because of the way we explained it to the families, yeah, there, there was someone who said, oh, now I need to commit to this if I want my child to have the sacraments. But there was hardly any pushback. Uh, some people, dis we gave people reasons to commit and also we gave people reason to postpone if they wanted because we do it multiple times. And, uh, and the result is that those who committed are having a beautiful experience and I'm having a lot of fun in meeting the parents and helping them on the journey, helping them to help their children. I'm making new friends for the first time. Our sacramental preparation for the children is turning out adults who want to become Catholics. Some of the spouses, some of the parents who are not Catholics. Now, for the first time in nine years, there are actually adults who say, perhaps this is my time and not just my child's time. 
But I can say this is because the community had grown. And when we invite them to come to church with us on Sunday, we, they actually find people who greet them, who notice them, who offer them a cuppa and, and uh, take down their number and they visit them or whatever. I, let's, let's be clear. We are nowhere uh, near where we would like to be. We are, we are definitely, we have a lot of, of work to do, but I, we are also way beyond where we were nine years ago. So this is, this, yeah, this is great. And it's all the Spirit's work because we didn't know what, what we were doing. Even no. this year when we finished the sacramental program, uh, our coach told us, start with one sacrament so that you can do it one at a time. And I said, we can't. The ball is already rolling. People have picked up on this and they just want to do it. And so I can't stop it. <laughs> Great of the monster. It's so cool. So a few things I want to just go back and just break a few things up that you shared. By the way, it's just so wonderful to hear you talk. Um, I, I just feel your joy as you tell your story. Like I just feel, uh, yeah, it's this humble joy that it, I find it quite contagious. And so what's neat is it's, it wasn't so much parish renewal that you engaged on. It was learning how to run a parish. And so yeah, you started yeah. with a blank slate. And that's a really interesting thing. As you're sharing your story, I'm actually imagining all the missionaries of years gone by. Like That's literally what you did in real days age. And, uh, and, you know, even just hearing you say that, I can just imagine all the parish priests saying to themselves, man, when I go into a new church, I come in as an expert. I come in with, here's what I know, and here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to do it. And, and that, that can make people offensively hold their ground, define where they're at, put a little line in the sand and, and push us back. And, you know, you can't unknow what you know, but what I'm hearing you say is your inexperience was such a gift, and that's a really effective. And I would suggest that doing church really well in this generation, I don't think any of us know what we're doing, and I'd include myself in that. Like, I know some principles that are probably going to help us succeed, have a higher chance of success, but we have to figure it out in real time with people's personalities. Yes, you know, you mentioned probably have ideation as a strength theme. You come up with a lot of ideas, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's something it's my that number needs... four, right? Yeah, so it's a thing that <laughs> needs to be managed, needs to be unleashed, but also it can have a a balcony and a basement, like it can have a upside <laughs> and a downside, and but that's what it means to be human, and so to understand each other's strengths and charisms. And work to look together collaboratively is so beautiful. You took the time to listen. You know, when you say, you know, when the community is ready. But what I'm hearing you say, Father, your Luigi, is you're not saying that as, as somebody who's apart from. That's the community and I'm the priest. No, you literally integrated into the community in every possible way. You were the community and the priest at the same time. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. They taught us to be their priests. We we blended in. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I look at what we, we did at St. Benedict Parish, it was very similar. You know, we lived what we talked about. It wasn't, hey, we're the professional Christians. We're going to tell you what to do because we're smart and we're really holy. And so, and we have all the answers. It was the complete opposite. It was dive into life with them 
do life together, learn from one another, and out of that emerges this grace, this impact, this the Holy Spirit that we then began to articulate. And so everything we did at St. Benedict and Divine Renovation was articulating the life of God in us and through us through unbelievably good relationships, not really smart people who took a, a arm's length approach to how should we do church? It's like, no, very similar to what you're experiencing. Yeah. And at that time we didn't, we thought that we were just in experience and we thought it was a liability. Over, over the years, we realized it was an asset. <laughs> That's so beautiful. You, yeah, know, you yeah. also said something I want to pick up on. You, you, know, you spent eight years or more working with seminarians? Yeah, 21 years. Yeah. And, First in India, then in Sri Lanka. And so yeah, was I that don't working? know how successful I was, but I think that they survived it. They survived <laughs> it. But what's kind of fun and interesting, and it's neat for our listeners to hear that maybe aren't as close to the Catholic Church, I mean, we can go through 21 years of forming seminarians and not know how to run a church. Yeah, and so it makes yeah. you wonder, what are we teaching people at the seminaries when <laughs> learning how to run a church isn't even one of the things that we, that we teach? But it's true. And yeah, so yeah. if you went back to the seminary, let's say your order called you back to work in seminaries, would what you do change? Oh, First of all, I would um, have this. I, oh, this is a conversation that I already had with with uh, with with my leaders to some extent when we had a like, just friendly conversation. The first thing would be we don't take for granted that a seminarian uh, is already in a space of discipleship, in a space of personal relationship with Jesus, just because they applied for the seminary. It, it, that that's a dangerous thing, and I realized that we were taking it for granted. We were, in a sense, we were starting to build a house from the first floor up, and and we took for granted that the foundations were laid, and I, uh, the, the tools that the spirit has put in our hands, like Alpha and Ananias, called and Gifted, and so on, made me aware that uh, taking that for granted is an extremely dangerous step. So the first thing that I would do if I were to go back, it would be to ensure, to make sure to. And these tools are to teach you how to do that. To And this is not a matter of being judgmental, you know. It no. is a matter of taking people exactly where they are. If a person is at a threshold, let's say, of trust, where they, they are comfortable being around the church, then I should not presume that they are already committed to follow Jesus as disciples. I need to take them where they are, give them what they need at that stage, and help them grow so that they can digest their food and, and build up stamina. But we didn't do that. We presumed that people were committed and we, to some extent, demanded, expected that commitment. And, uh, and in the end, when we didn't get it, there was, of course, that conflict of interest where the seminarian would have wanted to continue and uh, the, the formator saw, hey, this doesn't seem to be working, which is a very painful situation to be in. And the reason was very simple. Even there, we did not know how discipleship was born. From the time of Jesus onwards, you have an encounter with the master, and then you you become intrigued with this master. You enter into a sort of relationship, and he invites you to follow, and you you commit to him for a lifetime. But there is a, a natural progression from the early encounter until the commitment. There is a growth. And if for someone, then growth is very quick, which can happen. We have seen people burning the, the thresholds, one of them, very quickly. 
But we can also have the opposite. We can have people who need way more time in order to make their choice and and really grow the the stamina, the structure of discipleship. So that's the first thing I would do. Another thing that I would do would be definitely, so, you know, this is one thing that I had done when I was there. For example, I had a, a how can I say, a sort of guts, gut feeling that we needed to be inserted in the local parish. So, uh, for example, we never celebrated the Mass in our seminary on a Sunday. We would do it on weekdays because uh, we had to go to, to class, we, we had activities to do. But on weekends, I have always asked all the seminarians to go to church in the local parish, and I was there with them. So that was actually, uh, I, uh, this was just a gut feeling probably. Uh, the church is out there, it's not here. Our community has a particular purpose. We are not the church. This is not the real. This is not real life. Let's let's face it. But uh, I now, having experienced what I what I experience now, I would say that should be the the daily bread and butter. It cannot be simply uh, let's go to church on Sunday like every good Catholic. <laughs> that's so that's so helpful. Yeah, because. Seminary can become an incubator of academia. The other one upping each other on things, marks, whatever it is, and, and we get disconnected from the very source of life. Which is so often I see churches separate themselves. I, I remember years ago coaching a church and talking with a couple of people on the leadership team. I was looking for clarification, which is lovely. And he said, okay, he said, you know, it's like our church is a fishbowl and our parishioners are the fish. Um, what do you want me to get them to do? <laughs> You're a fish. He said, no, no, no. He said, I'm a leader. And so... I'm looking into the fishbowl. What do you want me to get the fish to do? You are a fish. Get in the bowl. What are you doing outside of the Like, you are one of them. If the minute you think you're not one of them, you're going to be the most ineffective, inauthentic leader imaginable. Are a fish. And that's what I hear at the heart of what you're saying in the seminary, the heart of what you're living as a parish priest, is you are one of the people. You have a role to play with the people that's that's specific to the vocation of priesthood, but it doesn't make you. What I'm hearing is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you. Our people have a, a strong power of forming us. They, they don't know, but they teach us. They teach us how to be their priest. They, uh, that doesn't mean that we have just, because like I told you, there was a point in which uh, I could perceive that our people had taught us how to be with them, how to be their priest, but then they couldn't tell us where to from there because that's all they knew. And that's, they already, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that there was, at one point we needed to, to look further, to look at what the spirit wanted, to, wanted us to do. But yeah, the first thing that, that we did and, and, you know, I, I really thank the Spirit for that. I, I cannot find any any other explanation. He 
the Spirit made us part of this community. The Spirit gave us the, the awareness that we had we, we didn't know, and so they taught us. So yeah, we, we were swimming in the pool with them in the, in the, in the fish bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and that takes it's such a humility of learning that I hear from you. Like when I coach churches, I'm always excited to start a new church because what we're going to do together, I don't have a clue. Like I know I'm going to learn as much or more from the people I coach than they're going to learn from me. And I find it so exciting. It's this great adventure because they have their own personalities, gifts, strengths, experiences, and context for their local parish and set of problems. And and so it just becomes such it becomes so fun. Yeah, like yeah. there are some things that we'll talk about that are that are similar. And then there's a lot of things that we're gonna have to figure out in real time. Because, you know, even as you're sharing, Father Pierre Luigi, like Leadership is about solving problems. And in, in, in one sense, you didn't know how to be a priest. That was a problem or, or a parish priest. And so you solved the problem by integrating with the community. But then that created a problem because then you hit a plateau and that's a problem. And so you went to work <laughs> trying to figure out that problem. Well, you found Alpha. And so, so that solved the problem. But then that created a problem because then where do we go after that? And so then you had to solve that problem. And so... This is this constant going from one problem to the next as we grow in our impact friendships. And hey. brother, you are living that. It's such a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I thank the Spirit for that. I really, um, I, I, I repeat, I, I kept telling people, I, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know that Jesus does. And so when, when the Spirit is, is leading us, when he, he will show us what to do. I can tell you, just to tell you how, how I don't know what I'm doing, I, I constantly uh, catch myself in the way I communicate uh, the gospel, communicate our faith. So I recently had to, uh, I, I took up uh, the task of leading the parents of the children who prepare for confirmation. And I had um, uh, maybe, f I think, 14 families that came came on, the, uh, on, on, the, on this program. So I, I had a few sessions with them. And the... We became aware of what evangelization is somehow. We, we were used to teach, uh, but right. not, not, to, not to open spaces of encounter. So we became aware that if we want this to work, we have to open spaces of encounter where people can encounter Jesus in their own story, realize that God is already there, is already part of their, of their own family, their own story that from the beginning. So we need to help them to touch with their hand that God is already very close to them, even though they might not have used those words. God is already present. So I had the first, the first session, which was a bit of an introduction. And then when that, that was clear, I was, I, I was happy with that somehow. The second session was already uh, how to help the parents to relate to the sacrament in a way that it would touch their own personal story, the parent's story, so that they can help the child, their child, to do the same. And uh, I, I did it, and I think we had a good tool in our hands, which is actually from the, 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 the Diocese of Lorraine in Melbourne. It's, it's online. I think it was a, a, good, a good tool, but I simply used that tool in the best way I could think at that time. But at the end of that one hour, I told myself, this is not good. This, uh, I didn't perceive that, we, that I, I made a connection at a deeper level. They were very patient. They, they listened to me. They, they trusted me, but I don't feel that I, I have established a relationship here. I don't feel that we went any deeper. 
So I, when, when I finished the session, I told the others, we, we have a beautiful team. I said, I'm absolutely not happy with the way I performed tonight. And so the following session, I changed, I changed it completely. I thought, no, this is not working. Uh, I, and I thought, okay, what are the contents? And I thought of the contents that I, I was supposed to give in that session. And then I thought, each of these contexts, what do they look like in real life? Let me find some short testimonies that I can give or that I can find online so that they can see something they can directly relate to. I give you an example. At one point, part of the context was that we are anointed priests, like Jesus, priests, prophets, and kings. So the Spirit anoints us, priests, prophets. So let's take the part priests. And I ask them, when, when you hear the word priest, what do you think? What is the first thing that comes to you? And uh, uh, a mom there said, ah, the white collar, a uh, person up at the altar. I, yeah, that, that, I understand. That, that, that's what I, I would think too. Well, what I'm telling you tonight is that a priest is a mediator, is a bridge maker, is a person who makes, builds a bridge between God and someone else. That's a priest. That's the, the, at, at core, priesthood is bridge making. In fact, we call the Pope Pontifex Maximus, the Supreme Pontiff, the, the Supreme Bridge Maker. That's the meaning of Pontifex. <laughs> so, and I, I, so I, what I, what I did, I found online the experience, the, 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 the test, the short test in two and a half minutes of an American worship leader. This man was down with addictions and he got over that and a family invited him to a, a Christian church and there he heard worship songs. And since he was a musician and played the guitar, he said, this is what I need to do for the rest of my life. And he's now a worship leader, a worship, a worship composer. Now I said, his name is Ben Fuller. And, uh, and I, I told them, well, you listen, you have listened to his, to his testimony. Ben's music is a priestly task because he makes a bridge between God and the people who listen to the music and, and hear and pray with his music. And then I played, I played to them, uh, I, I always on YouTube, a little uh, a song from Lauren Daigle. And, uh, and I, 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 they loved it, of course. And uh, uh, so I said, okay, Lauren, Lauren again builds a bridge through her music. She opens people up to God and helps them meet God. But then I told them, well, now you may tell me, I'm not a musician, so how can I do that? And I said, well, we have a... a we have a young man who became a Catholic two years ago because his girlfriend was a Catholic and he was very interested in what was this faith that, he was never a Christian. What was his faith that was, that was playing such an important role in, in his fiance's life? So he came closer, we had a good conversation, then he decided to, to take the journey of exploring the Catholic faith and two years ago he was baptized. He's a member of our community now. He's in his early, I think he's 30 this year, if I'm not wrong. He's, uh, and. Uh, Okay, this man uh, works with colleagues in the, as a tradie. He's a tradesman. So he, uh, I said, well, he, on his youth, uh, he has his Bible. He's, got, he's wearing a cross at his neck, and he probably has some other little things that are related to the Catholic faith because he uses them. He, he just has, they, they lie around. He has them lying around. And some of his, some of his mates, ask him, what's this thing you, you have here? So he tells them what it is and how he uses it, and he does it in a way that is perfectly relatable to his colleagues because he's one of them. 
He speaks a language that they can understand perfectly. And now there is this little group of tradies that are his colleagues who are slowly discovering what the Catholic faith is and how it works in the life of this man. And I told them all, well, this is a priestly task. This is a priestly job. So... You've just blown I, my mind. Like, it's just listening <laughs> to you like, it, oh, that is so good. I've never heard that before. It totally changes because I would have given the exact same answer that lady gave at the course. And yeah, everything yeah. you shared with them, you shared with me for the first time. I feel like I was at that course, and that is so good. So this oh, is where I mean gosh. that I don't know where I'm going. I know right. where I know. What is the end result? But how I'm getting there, the Spirit is giving us little by little. So from that, from, from between the first and the second session, there was a flip in my mind because I thought I did not, I don't perceive that I helped these parents to discover that God is already present in their life, working in their daily life, in their family. I didn't manage to establish that connection. So I need to change. And and I made the change. And, and at the end of that session, actually, we, we, we we developed a much better friendship because obviously there was a there was a connection that went into the faith and in, and and among us somehow. So this is what I say. I don't know where I'm going, but the Spirit gives us the tools that we need at the time they are needed. Gosh, Father Pierluigi, it we're going to wrap up. This is such a fun. I've had so much fun talking to you today. I am absolutely going to beg you to come back again in the future and carry on a conversation. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet, and it does not matter to me. I've had so much fun. I've learned so much from your sharing. A lot of it from who you are, like who you are emanates out of your story, out of your passion, out of how you speak about your community and, and where you're at and what you're doing. Thank you for being with me. Thanks a lot, Ron. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you to all our viewers and listeners. Thank you for listening on on podcasts of your choice and 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 watching on youtube thank you to, to for growing this community for subscribing for leaving comments for asking questions if if there's somebody that you know that we should have on this podcast that would just be an inspiration to all of us as we strive to live a life of purpose and meaning in such a way that will glorify god that's our call that's what gives life meaning and purpose thank you for listening and thanks for all that you do to live a life of purpose and meaning live out your leadership in a way that's a blessing to others. God bless you, and we will see you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.